Well, hello everyone. This is Coach Junker of South St. Paul Girls Basketball. As always, I'm joined by South St. Paul Boys Basketball Coach Matthew McAllister, and you are listening to the In-Season Podcast, where every week, Coach Mack and myself pull back the curtain of our programs and discuss the day-to-day, week-to-week, and long-term process of building a competitive basketball program. Thank you so much for listening, and without further ado, here is this week's episode. Sports fans, basketball enthusiasts alike, Packer Nation, it is time for another episode of the In-Season Podcast. This is Coach Junker, joined again by my favorite co-host, Coach McAllister. It's been a little bit of time since we've had a chance to sit down and talk a lot, and I really do mean a lot has happened since our last episode, Coach. And how you doing? Doing well. Um, just trying to navigate uh, all the chaos, trying to stay healthy, trying to... Uh, now as the calendar starts to turn, the weather starts to turn, and you get that feel, the, the playoff basketball is coming. So it's time to, to ramp it up here. Yeah, with the warming of weather, hope springs eternal, and right. we can kind of see the clutches of another Minnesota winter leaving. And that also means that the best time of the basketball season is is rapidly approaching. And there's a lot that we've got to cover, so let's dive in. Last time we recorded, uh, about two weeks ago, you know, we were talking about our schedule, what things were looking like, upcoming opponents. We had Sibley Tartan on the, on the slate, and we had talked about what that was looking like, how we were trying to prepare. And then in fashion of the world that we live in right now, things change pretty quick. Very quick. And... Um... That's been kind of one thing that we've talked to our kids about continually. Whoever can withstand and weather these changes the best is going to come out ultimately ahead. Um, you know, talking about that, the the Sibley-Tartan games, our Sibley game had already been moved to Saturday, which because I believe yours was on a Tuesday and ours was scheduled for a Tuesday. So we were looking at a full week of practice to get ready for Tartan. Um, and I remember the, the previous game against Matamira, Jim Paulson asked me, he said, how do you keep their attention? How do you keep them focused? And it was easy because we had Tartan coming up on Thursday. Well, by Monday, the Tartan game had already been pushed. So now we're sitting there with a full week, five days of practice with no games. And then Sibley coming up on Saturday, who we had already beaten, you know, and um, and had not had a lot of success. And they were just coming off of a quarantine, which is why our game got pushed. So you know, young men being who they are and high schoolers, it wasn't the most focused week of practice. We did what we could um, to try to, you know, keep it, keep it uh, alive. And this is another thing. Typically what I would try to do in a a situation like that is have um, some of our former players or college players come in and scrimmage, you know, just to give a fresh face. Well, we can't do that in COVID. No. So we just tried to, tried to manufacture some competition and some, some energy and, and some life and, and, uh, having a week off is just tough. It's almost like a preseason, right? You're back to back to square one. And so we, we had Henry Sibley on Saturday, last Saturday, a week ago today. And then um, kind of came out sluggish. We didn't defend hard. Um, luckily, we shot the ball really well. We shot um, 15 for 33 from three. That's pretty good, especially considering most teams' solution to us is zone us because they can't guard us off the dribble. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to hit 15 for 33, we're going to be pretty tough to beat. And so at one point, I think it was 74 to 40. And then we subbed down and, you know, I think we ended up winning by 30, um, 25, 30-ish. And then um, this past week, we had North St. Paul for the first time. It was a a Monday game, or I'm sorry, a Tuesday game. It was the first time we played North St. Paul due to the COVID. So we played, I I believe, three teams in the conference twice already. Yep. And then North St. Paul comes in and, and it's the first time. And we've seen some film on them and they've had some COVID issues and a new coach. There's a lot of unknowns. Um, and we came out and they zoned us like most teams do. We didn't shoot the ball well. And we faced some adversity. We were down seven to 18 and down, I believe six at the half. And even going into the second half with about 12 minutes to go, we were still down and battling. So it was the first time that we've had some, uh, since Tartan where we really had to, to play and I don't mean that as a disrespect to anybody else it's just it's the first time we've been at a competitive game in the last yeah if you're looking at how the games have 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 developed you know from from tip to tip to buzzer a lot of the games that you've had 
you've kind of been in the driver's seat and that sense of urgency, that sense of pressure just hasn't been there. And like you said, it's not a disrespect to your opponents, but the game's played out the way that they did. It's just the reality of it, right? And usually that 10-minute mark is kind of where we start separating from people. Um, it's where that where our system has worn people down and whether it was you know the Hastings game or the Simley game were two pretty good examples when we were really playing well. Um where it went from a close game or a 10-point game, you know, in the case of Hastings, to a 40-point game literally in a six-minute span. Um, and there we had to battle to the very end. And, and this was the first time that Alonzo um, was in, in some foul trouble. He had um, he picked up a, a number of them quickly, and then with four minutes to go, he fouled out. It's still a six-point game. So it was, a, it was a great learning experience in terms of, um, one, we can't rely on our jump shot. You know, we're just too talented for that. And when teams zone us, we still have to do the right things. And it's great when it falls, but we still have to, you know, get get our paint touches. And just because it's, the shot is there and you can hit that shot doesn't make it the right shot. So it's a good example of that. And, and I think you and I have talked about some of this before. It's We can tell the young men that, but until they see it, until they feel it, until those shots don't go in, mm-hmm. it, it's hard to teach it, right? It's hard to say, you know, eventually they're not going to go in. Well, they didn't. Um, and, and so that was a good learning lesson. And then, you know, being able to stick together and having Alonzo be on the bench and other players stepped up. Devin Newsom really stepped up and hit three big threes and kind of was our, our main ball handler and got us through some some tough situations. Um, so we learned a lot about our team. And, and I think we learned um, how important practice was. We hadn't had the best practices. You know, we had the week that we were trying to manufacture some. And then Mondays are never the best. You know, you're just trying to get the weekend out of you, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, and they're not always the most focused. And so it was it was good, um, and we always tell our guys we never we never ever ever have a goal of being undefeated because we think we can learn so much from a loss, right? And refocusing and and um, we kind of treated that game on Tuesday like a loss because we just didn't play the way we had been playing, mm-hmm. and the kids felt that. To their credit, we've had three great practices since then, um, yeah. which I wouldn't have said had we done this podcast, you know, uh, uh, last weekend. Sure. Um, and that, to me, is the biggest take home: is that they weren't willing to just say, "Man, whew, we got by North St. Paul. I guess everything's working." They were able to look at it um, and truly evaluate it. Like, man, that was not our best performance, and these are the reasons why. And it starts in practice. And so we've had three pretty good practices since then, and uh, we have um, similarly today, which is which is always a, an interesting test for us. Yeah, and for those that are wondering, it's Saturday the twenty seventh. <laughs> Uh, tough keeping track at times. It is. It is. One thing that you mentioned that uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on is you mentioned during that game, it's tight, very close. You're down at you know for probably the longest stretch of your season, most likely. Uh, and then you have Zofal out, and the game's still a competitive one where anything can happen. Rewinding the clock back to your section game against Holy Angels last mm-hmm. season. One of the things that, you know, really seemed like an issue was, is, you know, Lonzo was in foul trouble in that game as well. And there's always that, there's always that philosophy. There's always that piece of managing foul trouble and what your approach is. And like, how, how does your team respond to that when it's someone like your, your best player? And if you look at that group against Holy Angels last year, I don't think that that team and Kind of proof is in the pudding, right? It didn't work right. out that way, but because of Zoe having that foul trouble, like you guys didn't have an opportunity to get past Holy Angels because that group at the time wouldn't be able to sustain it, like wouldn't be able to to fill that void. This year, it seems like your team is comprised and it has kind of developed and grown enough that like they're able to play well enough, even with somebody like Zoe, who is arguably one of the top five players in the state this year, mm-hmm. on the bench. Yeah, and we're pretty fortunate with that. A couple of things. One, we were so young last year. Um, you know, Max Wilson's a freshman, and by all accounts, if you ask outside people who are your two best players, they would have said Max and Zoe. Well, Zoe, Max is a freshman. That's tough. And then, you know, Ramonte Harmon was a, is a big-time ball handler for us. He was a sophomore and hadn't had a lot of AAU experience, and, and so it's just it's part of the growth process. Um, you know, and then having Devin Newsom come in and we'll maybe foreshadowing, but he's just been a godsend. Um, he's, <laughs> you know, I mean, about another high level division one player transfer in, it, it helps when he, they re- relocate from California. And I mean, he just, he, he's a fascinating young man and that he doesn't, he never gets too high. I mean, he's had games where he has 30 points and you would never know it. 
And then there's games where he had 11. You would never know it. I mean, there's just nothing phases him. He just continues to play and work and defend. And there's never, you know, especially as a young coach, I wanted everybody to have the same emotion I had and the same caring <laughs> or capacity. And I would get frustrated when people didn't, not understanding. Just different people have different styles. Different, They process it differently. And our two new kids this year, whether it's Devin, who is he has this, this kind of calm intensity about him where it's just workmanlike. Everything, he's just he gets it done. I mean, I just have such faith putting the ball in his hands and he's going to make the right play. And, and we did some things yesterday actually in practice where it's like, okay, Zoe fouled out. Zoe, you're now on the scout team. Mm. He's not used to being on the scout team. And he kind of had fun with it, trying to pick the other oh, guys yeah. up. And we just put the ball in Devin's hands and, and all the same things happen. Um, and then Sean uh, West coming over, and he's the most laid-back kid. Like, I, I tried to early on. Sometimes you try and, like, get into the Right, like, I try to, to get into like, let's get some fire. And, and he just kind of chuckles. And he just shows up every game, and it just, it, you know, the the expression "water off a duck's back." Nothing. I mean, you would again. He, he, he kind of is is like the stereotypical surfer kid in a movie, right? And out <laughs> in California, like he just he's got the flowing hair, and it just nothing matters. And he's gonna go out and hit a couple threes, and get a couple rebounds, and make the right pass. And you know, so it's it, it really has helped me grow coaching these guys as a coach. Like just because they don't uh, outwardly show the same. Uh, manifestation of emotion that I do in tight situations and you know and maybe it's one of the reasons why I gravitate to Marquise so much because he's kind of wired that same way where we're going to show our intensity and it doesn't mean they're not intense or that they're not focused and sometimes it's probably better that they can just relax in the situation and and make plays and and make it happen so it's been fun to watch some cool customers (sighs) recapping the last two weeks it's very similar. You know, when we last talked, we're getting ready for Sibley Tartan. Right out of the gate, we find out that uh, Tartan is, is going through some COVID protocols. And then not long after that, we find out that our following game this, this past week, North St. Paul, they're in the same boat. And so we go from kind of having the heart of our conference schedule that we discussed uh, last time and round two and kind of really plugging our way through that back end of the regular season to potentially not having a game in 10 straight days. And you talked about having five straight practices, what that's like psychologically. And that was just something that we couldn't afford to do. And and we went uh, and and hosted uh, Sibley on two Tuesdays ago. And it was one of those games where nothing was really optimal as far as defensively what we were trying to execute offensively what we were trying to execute just couldn't really get into a flow and after that game we kind of looked at just where we're at and what what changes we need to make and realize that we have to start making some adjustments to what we see ourselves as not that we can't do certain things at times but I'd been describing it as Right now, it seems like we're throwing the same pitch over and over sure. again. And eventually, especially the second time you start seeing people, good good teams and like a good batter is going to tee off on, on that pitch if they know it's coming. And so we just had to start throwing some off-speed stuff in. But anytime you're implementing new stuff, it takes reps, it takes practice, and it just doesn't, the switch doesn't flip. And these last two weeks have been modifying our identity to give us more versatility and to give us some options as to how a a game can be managed and what type of pace are we going to be able to dictate that best, you know, that gives us the best opportunity to beat teams that every game defensively, offensively, like we can't just do the same thing against everybody. Uh, We ended up picking up a game against Benilde St. Margaret's uh, last Saturday and that game was a great one for us because we had an opportunity to actually play and work on the things right. that we had been practicing, which I told the girls, like, we wouldn't have gotten better just hanging out Saturday and watching Netflix. Correct. We, we got to keep competing. We got to keep those tools sharp. And what that led to is, is that we didn't win. And for stretches, it did not look pretty, but it gave us the opportunity to actually put pen to paper and work on the things that we needed to work on to get ready for this week. And we had four really good practices this week preparing for Simley. And we had a game plan that we knew we had to implement. And last night, 
I was so impressed by our girls and how we executed our game plan and how from end to end, we were committed to that all the way through. Unfortunately, we didn't get a lot of help in, in some areas. Offensively, just didn't get in a rhythm and like couldn't make shots. That's something that you have to imagine changes if you're going to keep playing. Like right. we can we can find ways to knock down shots. Night after you know every night's going to be different. You know, the, last night the shots were not falling, but last time we gave up almost 68 points against Simley, and last night it was in the low 40s. I think it was 43 or 44, which is right where we said we needed to be. If we sure. can keep them in the 40s, we can make it a game. And for a good chunk of the game, like it was within reach. We got into some foul trouble, and as we discussed, how do you manage that? How do you navigate a game when you have maybe a, one or two players, especially that are your best players, in foul trouble? Especially and, when you don't have the full depth right, that you want as you're building out your program. And, and There's no one-for-one one replacement for right. some people. And for me, I've always been the if... I'm not going to immediately take somebody out just because they got three fouls in the first half. It's all about who is that person, how do they play, and do you like what's the trust level of them being able to stay in a game? And for us, it was Bryn Bauer last night that was in foul trouble. Like she is, I mean, if we're talking off the court, uh, she's probably one of the most trustworthy humans I know in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever we have something that needs, Somebody that it can can handle it. Like if we're talking about fundraising, like I can hand Bryn, you know, a couple grand in cash, sure. and I know that it's going to end up where it needs to. Right. Like it's it's never a question. On the floor, it's the exact same thing. If you need something from somebody and you have to bank on it coming to fruition, like that's the person I'm probably asking. Unfortunately, I don't control the whistles. We ended up losing her with a lot of time left in the second half, and at that point, our our whole identity has to shift. Yeah. Result wasn't what we hoped it would be, but if I'm looking at the rest of the players and what their specific jobs were, what are they being asked to do? A lot of girls did their job last night as a collective group and as individuals that I think is really encouraging. And mm-hmm. at this point in the season, you need it. Last night, all the little things that we need to do well, we did. As far as the focus, the encouragement, like the drive, all of those things, all those boxes you need to check as you're moving towards the postseason were there. The shots weren't. But guess what? Like, if we're coaches and uh, we trust our <laughs> trust ourselves to help get our players to where they need to be, we're going to find ways to get some buckets. Yeah. Uh, but if we're looking at what's ahead – we we've been texting and talking like like usual. We're getting to the point where meaningful basketball is in front of us. Before we get to that, I had been talking with you and anybody that's following Minnesota hoops realizes the flux of talent and where nationally our sport is in regard to the rest of the country. It's probably the best it's ever been in my lifetime that I can think of, and I am I'm. A, I'm a, shade younger than you uh just which, a shade which, and then that translates also to less wisdom and experience right <laughs> and but, more hair <laughs> for now for now genetics are not are not really <laughs> in my favor but <coughs> looking at that you think about on the boy side and the girl side i would say rewind the clock to about that time where tyus jones is coming onto the scene and it's that first player that just really has a spotlight on them early, less, you know, freshman, sophomore year, as being this is a guy that is legit nationally, and he's getting that recognition, a lot of hype. Apple Valley's playing really well. Coach K's in attendance. Mm-hmm. And he kind of starts this wave of just top-tier talent. And I'm watching college basketball every every night or NBA, and I'm like, honey, like that kid's from Apple Valley. That kid's from Hopkins. Like, that kid's from Creighton. Mini ha ha. And on the girls' side, you've got somebody that's Man. like Paige Beckers, She's that's a once in a lifetime generational talent. And then behind her, there's a bunch of girls that are playing at top tier programs across the country. Minnesota basketball is in a phenomenal place right now. But one of the things I'd be curious to get your take on is I don't know if 
we're quite at that point now where we're maximizing this wonderful flux of talent and the product that we have. My question to you is, is, is there anything that we as a state high school league, as, as a Minnesota Basketball Association can do to help push this game forward in a way that maybe in the past, because we haven't had this type of talent, like it's always kind of been a secondary thing behind things like football and hockey in this state. Um, that's a, it's fascinating. And I like the way you phrase that because, you know, like you said, being a little bit older than you, I I have some perspective. Tyus Jones, I, I think you nailed it. He started the wave where it was just one player after another, after another going to high level schools. Cause before that it was kind of, you'd have one off, like you had Khalid Alamine, who was that player, but there wasn't that same wave behind him. There were good players behind him, but they weren't, they weren't consistently going to Duke and Gonzaga and North Carolina yeah. and having Kansas in here and Michigan State. It just it, No, the trend is usually we have some really good players that end up go play at Wisconsin. It, right, right, <laughs> completely. And then you have the one, you know, Khalid wins a national title at UConn, which at the time was a blue blood type program. But there was not that, you know, I mean, how, between Gary Trent and both Joneses and Michael Hurt, I mean, that's pretty impressive to have that kind of run at Duke for the population that we have. Um, and it's just, it's it's so fun to see. And then you see Paige out there. I mean, she is something special. Uh, it's just, you know, I know a lot of guys, I shouldn't say that, not a lot of guys, because a lot of guys appreciate basketball, but there are some guys who just want to watch men's basketball. Paige is the type that transcends that. Like, she is just a basketball player. Man, is she good. Um, and so I, I think you're right, capitalizing on that. And so you have to take perspective. One, I, I think we do a really good job on social media promoting our people between North Star Hoops and what they do, um, the content they push out, um, the hoops are, Alex Khan over taking pictures. So I, I think there's a nice infrastructure in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, Ryan James is awesome you know and and talking to college coaches almost to a man they say hey you guys are lucky to have ryan james because we can filter everything through him um or he can be an advocate because he's somebody that they trust from a from a basketball knowledge standpoint you know he's not just a fan um i had utah state call me they're like hey i don't know who this alonzo dog kid is but ryan james keeps talking about him (laughs) i think i need to recruit him yeah you know so just to have some of those type of advocates out there we do have people that are really pushing and and riding hard for our our sport and our athletes especially and ryan james is a great example of just a guy one man show who's He's a machine. He's a machine. He's and a machine. Once you start, once you start to know the guy and just know what he does, like you know, he's got a phenomenal family. Yep. You know, he's got a, a boatload of kids. I think he's got five kids, five or six. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> we were texting about it the he's, other he's day. He's a special yeah. ed teacher. Like yep. he's he's doing so much. And then on top of that, he is just everywhere when it comes to covering right. our well, on the boys' side, covering our state and our, and our leagues. Like just phenomenal. And the Gophers. Yeah. And not on a superficial level, like not on a box score trend. Like he'll look at it and breaking down defensive rotations and crazy stuff that nobody else is doing. Um, so, you know, so we have those type of, of things. We have talent. Um, I really like that that we get 26 games. That's more than most, you know, if you look at the surrounding areas, that's awesome to mm-hmm. be able to have that kind of exposure. And it allows us, we're never, you know, AAU and, and high school are such different entities and they – when they work their best, can buttress each other and and really, um, you know, the, the phrase that you and I like, it, it, the rising tide raises all ships. When they when when AAU and 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 high school complement each other, it really helps us. Um, and then you know somebody like Brian Sanford, who's has the kind of kind of spearheaded the whole mini haha thing. Him and him and uh, and Suggs and you know they're on TV. They've been on ESPN three National times, TV. right? Like that's pretty awesome to have. But it helps when you have Jalen Soggs and Chad Holmgren, and it doesn't happen without those types of players, right? Prince Allegri coming behind them, and um, you know, so it's it's a special breed. But again, that kind of it's a one-off type situation. So it's uh, to me, it's it's the state tournament that is where we have our best capacity for change. Um, you know, it's just the with the QRF, and it, again, this might just affect the top tier class or the top two classes. Mm-hmm. But if we could go to a 64 style state tournament, I think that's the easiest, best, quickest fix that we have for publicity for, man, this state would be on fire. Um, 
trying to cover something like that and, mm. and the rankings and, you know, and we could debate, okay, is the QRF the right way to do it? What's, you know, just the, all the other ancillary uh, topics that can pop up from that. And then, yeah. you know, put them off in, in regionals in St. Cloud, Winona, Mankato, Duluth, you know, however you want to do it, Fargo, Moorhead, just to let the rest of the state see the talent that we see have. Talent. Right. And, and even if that is, you know, somebody from Caledonia playing up in St. Cloud, you know, Caledonia is awesome. How many people get to see Caledonia play basketball? Yeah. You know, the, the King brothers oh, that they've had God. go through is, you know, so just the exposure. I think another thing, you know, so I, I think it, we could probably talk for a long time just about <laughs> the state tournament, right? Right. Um, I think another thing, and this is harder for us to control, but having high level mid-major and junior college basketball available here, having the Gophers be the only division one basketball program has so skewed so many people as to what division one looks like. They just think it's big 10 and you're on TV. There's such great basketball played at the next level, the horizon, Missouri Valley. So with St. Thomas getting to that level, I think people are going to see it. And we could, we're able then to keep more kids in state. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's such an amazing level of basketball. Um, and, and the junior college level, you know, you look down at Iowa and how good the junior college basketball is. And they're feeding, you know, I mean, they have players going to Kansas. And, I mean, the highest levels. Yes. And we don't get to see that. So I think sports fans at our level are missing out on somebody, you know, just from on our coaching staff. We had uh, Ross Foreman play at the University of Wyoming and uh, University of Illinois Chicago. We transferred to Illinois Chicago. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Loyola Chicago. Rob Eppinger played at Illinois Chicago. That's Mountain West, Missouri <laughs> Valley, Horizon League. I went and watched those guys. That's amazing basketball. But as soon as, if, to the typical Minnesota fan, because they don't see anything beyond the Big Ten, those guys are gone, right? Like that, they're not even playing right. basketball. It's not even on somebody's purview. You know, and how many players have went down to Northern Iowa and Drake and had great careers that are kind of kind of lost because they're not on the Big Ten and they're not in our radar. And Minnesota can be pretty provincial. If as soon as you leave the borders, yeah. you're gone, right? Well, it's. It's really fascinating to talk about how the educational infrastructure of our state, which if you're looking at education, has some phenomenal colleges. Mm -hmm. like so wonderful academics, both public and private at the college level. But again, if you're thinking about like framing and how things have, have developed, you look at how our educational infrastructure benefits something like hockey, where you have like five or six schools in our state that are division one that are right. top 10 top 10 nationally ranked almost yeah. every year the bemidji's you know mankato st cloud st cloud for hockey it works phenomenally and because minnesota's kind of like a one-trick pony because minnesota you know you the u has only been the only division one right. program everybody that isn't going to the university of minnesota wants to play d1 is gotta go is headed headed out and that's that's tough because it's really unfortunate that our that our talent doesn't stay in our state right more right. often and, and i mean almost to a man every college coach at the mid-major level who contacts me about alonzo or Devin, they say what do you think st thomas is going to do everybody knows that's a sleeping giant and and so many schools whether it's north dakota state or you know northern iowa or whoever they've it's been a gold mine because they've had no competition internally for mm -hmm. that next tier of kids, you know, because the Big Ten is such a good level. There's so few kids every year that can go there. Yep. But we have 20 to 30 every year that can play mid-major basketball. And people have been feasting on that. And so now to have St. Thomas with the facilities and the location, it's it's opened a lot of eyes like, oh, man, we might not just be able to go in and pluck every kid out. And, and so I think that would be fascinating to see. And, and obviously we have no control over that, but St. Thomas – Somebody like a Mankato or, you know, I mean, I know there was a conversation when Winona had their run, man, could they make the jump because they have a nice yes. facility and they had a great run. Yeah. I mean, you know, so it's just it, that I think that would be fun. You know, I know the another thing is the shot clock and I might get excommunicated from the basketball community for saying this, but I don't believe we need a shot clock. Um, I might be the only one. I think that it leads to I, I like the amateurism. You know, today we play simly. If there's a 35 second shot clock, it, it's not as competitive of a game. Simley's going to work to slow this game down, and they would love to have 50 second possessions if they could. Yeah, right, and and try to keep us to 50 second possessions because mm -hmm. it's the only way they're going to have a chance. Because if we play in a game that forces some type of tempo, 
it's just not going to, it's not going to end well. And for us, you know, people ask me when I say this, people are always shocked because it doesn't seem to be the fun. Cause I do know that it helps in basketball development. I know that it helps, you know, coaching strategy and there's many positives to it and it helps them get ready for the college level. But for the, just the true high school amateur side and allowing for upsets, like, well, don't you want it that way? Cause it, it helps your pace of play. I'm like, I do. I mean, but I don't <laughs> want artificial enhancers either. Like we're going to play fast no matter what yes. we always have. You know, if, if somebody else wants to try to impose their will on a game and slow it down, let's let's have some fun and see who can do it. Um, I think that's fun too. So, um, I'm sorry, I've rambled on no. quite a bit on, on all these. You things. make a great and, point that if we're thinking about what is what's the best bang for our buck, I don't think the shot clock's it. Right. If you're thinking about the logistics that go into having to make that change versus what's the benefit when it comes to play, I don't think it's necessarily the best route either the state tournament is the one that i'm 100 with you on for both boys and girls side one of the best articles that i read every year is when they just when prep hoops or whoever just writes the 64 team in anyways i just would the uh, you can let your imagination run wild and think man that would be so much fun because it one of the premier sporting events in in our country is march madness for people that don't even care about basketball right how can it not translate to when you're when you actually have your school involved in in a state and then you get to see all this talent that you would never see you get to see matchups that never happen and it there just seems like there's so much potential that we should that's the one that should be entertained more especially knowing the type of talent that we do have i think it makes us more it makes our state even more competitive just to have you look at sections, and we mentioned for the boys' side, Matthew Hurd, who's playing at Duke and is having a great sophomore season. McDonald's All-American. One of the best players you know, that we've had in this crop that we've talked about, an influx of talent. He didn't make it to a state tournament because he had to play against Tyler Wall and all the other kids that were at Lakeville. And I know on uh, the girls' side, just to give you you know, an, an example, some of the sections and how they're aligned right now in 3A, if the season we're in today in one of our sections, there's there's De La Salle, there's Hill Murray, Matamidi, and Tatino. All of them are top 10 QRF schools right now in Class 3A, and they're going to have to cannibalize each other to figure out who gets to go to the state tournament, where in another section, you might have one team that seems like a legitimate state tournament contender that might not beat any of those other four teams. Right. And if we want the best product when we get to the big stage so that you've got the best teams going against each other to to just, as a basketball fan, get the best that you can get, I think this is the way you got to go. I, I completely agree. I remember vividly um, I was in high school when the Sweet 16, when they went to the Sweet 16 format for two years. And... I'm I'm sure it's one of the reasons why I fell in love the way I did with high school basketball. I mean, it was just the drama, the intrigue of Staples Motley and Minneapolis North, and you know, I mean, Khalid and and that group was so charismatic and so captivating. Anyway, like I I think in any format they would have been fun to watch, um, but in that format and hitting the shot over St. Thomas, I mean, just all the storylines, just from having 16 teams mm-hmm. in it. Man, you put the whole state in it and 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 count it down and make it a three week event or a two week event, however. Because our, our, our playoffs, as they're configured now, are a three-week event, you know, two mm-hmm. weeks for sections and one week for state. You could do that with a 64-team tournament. And, um, I mean, I, I think it would be the buzz not only here, and, and as you said, capt- capturing the, the casual fan as well, at least right away. But I think, I mean, nationally it could be pretty cool too because we have national names, Jalen Suggs and Chet Holmgren and Matthew Hurt and, and, and all the people that Jones has that have went through here. I mean, it's – it, the time is now if we're going to do something cool like that. We just have to, and hopefully, with the with the the Corona pandemic situation and how we're rethinking how we do so many things from work to practice to school to education, why not take this opportunity to rethink this too? I think it would be the the perfect you know time to do it. We'll make this time a destination, right? We mentioned it before. If you are hosting these regional sites. St. Cloud, Mankato, Rochester, Bemidji. I mean, mm-hmm. depending on where you put these, how can we support businesses in the same way? Right. Hotels, restaurants, those industries that are hurting really hard after this. Don't you think that that could help them too? Making 
events. I mean, making this a destination so that if I if I'm not playing and uh, we stagger the tournament so that the girls girls tournaments either two weeks behind or two weeks in front, you bet your butt that I want to go watch good basketball. And it might be that me and the other coaches that I know that aren't playing in the tournament families they want to go watch basketball. Absolutely, and get a and a getaway after and the a season, getaway. right? I mean, after we hunker down for the season, our families deserve that. Which is funny, and that kind of plays into the nature of who we are, is that as soon as our seasons are done, we just want to watch somebody else play. Right. Really, we want to watch more basketball. It's not like we want to take a break and like, not right. be around basketball. So let's, what, what other basketball is available? Right. Oh, but... Uh, I think there's probably a 12-step program for that somewhere, <laughs> but not one I'm willing to enter yet. Fair enough. I'm not sure if I'm ready for that either, but... Um, just to kind of wrap up this this discussion, there is just there's a lot of great basketball that is happening right now in our state, and it's an awesome time. And we've mentioned over the past year just how important athletics are to not just our fandom or or our our personal purposes, but just how important athletics are to student athletes, to these kids, and just the place that's been their life. We talked about it a lot this past week, knowing that we're coming down to the wire and there's a very finite level that's very easy to count. We're talking single digits of our season, regardless of result. We are really grateful that we've had this this opportunity to just be able to play. And it's a, it's been a great journey and there's still some time left. And we're going to talk about what's in front of that journey for both of us here uh, in the next couple of weeks because it's... It's kind of crunch time, Coach. It is. It's uh, it's it's why we do this, right? It's that time of year. Let's highlight and uh, let's kind of open up what you've been seeing at the ground level. What would you like to acknowledge from from your team and your program over these last couple of weeks? Sure, and and kind of like I said earlier, for some, a little bit of forecasting. Um, I really like to take a take a moment to talk about Devin Newsom. You know, he he came to us, and, and I've never worked in the schools for any of the schools that I coached, so I sometimes. Um, kind of miscalculate the 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 hallway aspect of popularity and who's popular and what grade levels. And I think it's benefited us a lot. You know, if a kid's a seventh grader, eighth grader, ninth grader, we will play him because the social aspect of of being a ninth grader it doesn't resonate with me because I don't see it every day. I don't see it in the in the hallways, in the lunchroom, and those types of things. So we just we just they're all just players. Once we see their name and and their numbers, just a grade to us. Um, and so Devin comes in and, you know, I say all that because I kind of take for granted the, the role that Devin has had. He comes in, he moves from Fresno, California. He doesn't know anybody. He, he enrolls at South St. Paul. And then he takes online classes. So he doesn't get to meet anybody. He doesn't have any social aspect. He doesn't, you know, I still have my workaday job. I still get to keep doing that. Um, Sean West moved in as well. He knew a lot of our guys from growing up. He played AAU with them. He played, um, you know, just being around. Devin didn't have that. So he's coming in, and truly the only time he's seeing our guys, we don't have a normal fall. We don't have classes. It's first day of practice, and, and we're learning names and figuring it out. And he's played at a Division one level. I mean, he's he's come in and done everything we've asked. And, um, you know, without that social aspect of school, for him to fit in so well and, and created such a bond, and on the court you would never know that he has not been playing with our guys for such a long time and the sacrifice that has to make. And for somebody who comes in as a junior and nobody knows who he is, he's a highlight. He knows how, how, how good he is. Right. But then he's coming into a program where he, on 90% of the teams in the state, he'd be the best player. Mm-hmm. He comes in where Alonzo Dodd is the best player, right? And I'm not saying that from a him versus Devin versus Alonzo standpoint. I would never rank them. But to the outside world, everybody's going to tell you Alonzo Dodd's our best player just because of what he did last year mm-hmm. and, and how he makes the game look this year. And there's never been a – I've never once felt a, man, I have to kind of go assert my dominance and show them, hey, I can really play too. He's just let it all come to him, and he's just with a quiet efficiency and a workmanlike effort. And, I mean, it just when I take take a step back and look at, at – at, what he's done in the situation he's done it in, it's really quite impressive. And and I just really appreciate him and how he's fit into our team rather than kind of rocking some cages to show us how good he is because he's just let us play to his talking. And and uh, it's been really a delight to coach. And I, I, 
I'm glad we have him for another year and, and just kind of having a normal offseason with him and just really being able to watch him flourish as he gets more comfortable socially with our guys. I, I think it's going to be just uh, the sky's the limit for him as a, as a player and for us as a team with that combination of him and Alonzo. It's not uh, – we've had multiple conversations about the dynamics and personalities and how they fit. And then there's also the basketball side, how do they fit, which you're also saying it, like day one – you have to figure out that piece along with the social piece at the same time where usually you have a little bit more leeway or yeah, a little bit more lead time on at least the social piece because they've been around each other right. or they've, they've spent time in the summer. That wasn't the case. Nope. And, but it's amazing how well he's been able to do both. It's kind of a testament to just what type of a unique character he is right. as, he's, as, a, he's, as a person. He's mature beyond his years. I mean, he's, <laughs> he, he's, he's really a special kid. That's awesome. How about you guys? I've probably been dragging my feet on this one because, as I mentioned before, like sometimes there's just things that are assumed. Uh, you have mentioned plenty about how almost every week there's something that you could acknowledge Lonzo for. Mm -hmm. um, I've been pretty deliberate about maybe not recognizing our captain Bryn Bauer for the things that she does because it's one that has always it's it's always expected I talked about how we can count on her for being responsible being somebody that can be accountable but um with this group over the last two weeks what has been phenomenal for us is just the voice that she has been and the presence of giving our group direction and her as a as a leader and as her as she's developed just her voice and the things that she's saying and the things that she's doing to keep us and her younger teammates that need somebody to be there for them in one direction last night as we were playing it could have easily been and you've had these types of games where the wheels can come off pretty quick. Mm -hmm. People can start to disjoint. People start playing a one-man game, and you've got five of those on the floor versus playing as a team. And she's the one person that, as as the seams can start to kind of open up and things can start to become disjointed, she's the person that's always going to pull that group back together and is going to like get us back on track. And even though... It doesn't translate to maybe the wins that we wanted these past two weeks. She does a lot of winning things that if we don't have those types of players, you can't expect to win. And we still are doing things on the basketball side to put us in a position to win games. But if you're thinking about the intangibles, if you're talking about the little things that are winning habits, Bryn Bauer has a ton of those like she does that's awesome and, and you you talk about the game yesterday and how it, it can the wheels can start getting shaky and start falling off the season in a you know on a bigger level can go the same oh, way especially 100%. you know when you have games canceled and 10 day stretches with no games and people can kind of meander and wander <laughs> off and the focus and um especially when wins aren't always coming the way you want them to um the fact you guys have kept it together is a testament to her, right? Like that's the voice you need. It can't just be your voice. It has to be somebody else from the inside saying, hey, come on, guys, let's keep this together. We still have to do the weights, do the shots, do the the film, do all the extra stuff. Let's keep our focus. We still have things in front of us. Without that voice on the inside, it just it doesn't happen. I've been on both sides of that, <laughs> right? Where it's, And it's just such a bad feeling as a coach. You want to just keep it together so badly. But without that internal support, it just there's, there's a, a cap on what you can do she from our chair. Yeah. She is the glue. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's just a wonderful, wonderful young woman. And it has been just an anchor for the last two years in, in a variety of ways. Um, but she's really appreciated. Coach, we're going to take a quick break. And then uh, once we return, we're going to preview the upcoming weeks and our pushes to the postseason. All right, coach. 
looking ahead to not just this upcoming week, but the next couple weeks, as mentioned, this is that time of the year where every game, not that all games don't matter, but now the weight and and kind of the uh, intensity is, is very palpable and tangible. And you start to envision and you start to create a roadmap for what things are going to look like in the postseason. So kind of looking ahead to not just this week in the matchups, which I do want to hear what that looks like for you, but I'd also like to hear what's it like for you, and not just this season, but in any season, as we get to this point where there's four or five games left, what are you communicating? What are you as a coaching staff internalizing or envisioning and building that vision for your team and its roadmap to finding success in the postseason. Sure. A lot of the communication now becomes about March. Um, and not only March, it, we use March kind of as a as a catch-all for playoff basketball. Um, it's, it's the parlance we use. Um, but so it's it's trying to find parallels to the things that we're going to see. Um, you know, what, what does playoff basketball look like in terms of of pace, tempo, intensity, um, you know, one thing that was um, interesting to our guys last year as they got to experience playoff success and a playoff win for the first time in a long time, it was, you know, we had played Highland Park and beat them by 20-ish points early in the season last year. And then we played them a second time. And I said, guys, you have to understand once playoff basketball hits, there is no quit. There's the that run that we had that broke their back at Highland in the regular season is not going to do it. And it came to fruition. Like we had them on the ropes down nine and I, I called a timeout and I said, I don't remember if I called it or they called it, but there was a timeout. And I said, guys, this is where we broke their back last time. We're going to take their best shot this time. And it happened and they got the game back down to four and we ended up winning, you know, so it's just trying to create those type of scenarios um, where they can see it before they have to see it in, in playoff basketball. And we always try to package our messaging um, according to what we have going on. We have two weeks now where we have three games in a, in a week. And what a great opportunity for us to say, hey, once we get through these, when's the next time we're going to have three games in a week? It's the state tournament. Let's treat this the same way. And this week is going to be interesting because we have different styles. St. Croix Lutheran's really good. They've just beat Columbia Heights and Richfield recently. They're playing really good basketball in a way. And then on Saturday, we have Tartan, who's really good. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, I mean, and completely different styles. And what a great way to say, hey, guys, let's prepare for this. We have two days at the front end to prepare for three games or four days. We got to get all of our preparation in for all of this, just like we would in a state tournament, playing very good teams at a high level in March with different styles. How do we fare now? Luckily, we have this dry run that we can hopefully then use at the end. So that's kind of going to be how we're we're looking at it. From us at a, as a coaching, our internal conversations are, okay, who do we need to get going at a higher rate? Who do we need to make sure doesn't fall back to the pack a little bit? Man, he's maximized. Let's keep this going. Um, how many shots do we get? How hard do we go on our rebounding drills as opposed to resting their knees? You know, those are the kind of the the – the, the balancing acts that we're trying to, to figure out and every year is different and just trying to feel the pulse of our team this year. You know, we're about seven to eight deep and, and the ankles and knees are much more valuable than if we had 12 guys, right? Um, and that's not to say that our other guys can't do it. It's just right now we're, we're performing at such a level with, with the, the that rhythm, that, rhythm that we have. Uh, now it's not the time to mess with it. So we got to make sure we kind of maximize that and keep it going. The season as it presented itself with the late start and the reduction of games and the structure of how State High School League put guidelines in place saying that until you get to March, no three game weeks, giving us some flexibility, giving us some um, opportunity to make up lost games due to the pandemic, etc. Knowing that you do have three game weeks back-to-back leading into sections, you just talked about kind of saving those ankles and knees. I love how you've packaged 
the mindset of this is this is what it's going to be like. On the flip side, do you worry about a little fatigue? Absolutely. Yeah. We, we, we've talked about that internally as a coaching staff, like, um, you know, where do we, where do we take off? Where do we pull back a little bit? You know, and, and, and if we're being honest, it's something that we try not to talk about because we have no control over it. We're, we're very scared of, of, you know, we talk to our guys all the time about protocols and being safe. And this is such a special season control. what You can control putting six opponents in, two weeks within 10 days like that's a lot of exposure and and i just you know something we can't control but we do worry about you know a covid protocol hit and um so just trying to enjoy every moment and maximize the moments is another thing that we're trying to be mindful of with our young men you know we've you and i have talked so much about how grateful we are and the season has went so well for us up to this point that we just want to make sure that we're not getting too far ahead of ourselves too because if it is all ended you know if 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 we get hit and we're on a two-week quarantine we have to be able to to really appreciate what we have and enjoy these these moments that we have with the guys too control what you can control is one of those isms that in a season and in life if you're constantly reminding yourself of that at least is keeping you present to the moment itself and not forgetting anything we were having a conversation on Wednesday. I just woke up in the morning processing the day, thinking about practice, thinking about the game uh, last night. And I just had to, I sent the girls basically about a two page like word vomit text at about five o'clock in the morning, which I'm sure they didn't see for the next five (laughs) or six hours. But it was just one of those things where if you don't acknowledge it in the moment and appreciate the things that exist, I told the girls, and we all had a laugh about that. Is like right now, where you don't want to miss the forest for the tree, right? Yep. One of the Coach McCollisterisms that yeah. I love, because <laughs> we're we're staring at you know four practices in a row, looking at Simley, saying like this is a big game for us. Like we need to just make sure that we're prepared and ready to go. But it was one of those times where I just had to pause and like tell the girls like how lucky we are, how special this is, regardless of how these next six games play out. It doesn't matter to me. You guys are still special. This group is still special. This still is a really important part in all of our lives. And we just have to appreciate that now because that's the type of appreciation that you have to show each other when we're in the trenches together. And that's how we are going to stick together. And whether when things aren't going well, and that's how we can stay in the presence of mind to flip the switch and to to make something happen. And if we don't acknowledge this now, it's it doesn't matter as much when it's over because then we all can't do anything about it. We it's easy to say things in hindsight, right? Like, man, I I really appreciated this season. Well, yeah, it's easy to say it when it's over because you realize the mortality of life and. <laughs> what being an athlete's all about. We've got six seniors that are going <sighs> to. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, kind of to your point, it, um, one of the things that, that we talk about, I talk about with my wife and I talk about with these, it's like, how do you know when you're in the good old days? It's just to be where, where your feet are, you know, and, and to take the moment to be like, man, someday I'm going to, as bad as things may seem, even in some days, like, I'm going to really miss this time. Even if I am romanticizing it in the future, I am going to miss this time. Um, and so we try to tell our guys that, you know, I mean, all of our guys, when we get in a circle and we say, hey, man, who wants to play college basketball? 100% of the hands go up immediately. We don't get a 100% response from those guys on anything except for <laughs> I want to play college basketball. And then we have our, have our guys who play college basketball at, at a high level. They're like, guys, it's never going to be better than this right here. Don't wish this away. Nope. Don't. And even, you know, and they're like, we're not romanticizing any of it because we've lived both of it. And we're looking in the rear mirror at both of those things. High school is the best. Enjoy the heck out of it. Like you're never going to have this experience again. Um, so it's just, it, it's, it's one of those things that, again, there's no drill for. How do you, how do you show that to young men and, and people? It's just trying to create those experiences is all you can do. 
it's all I can do. And those are the experiences that you hope have some value and teach some lessons to serve them in life. Um, for us, you know, if we're looking at the remainder of our schedule, uh, we've got three game week, Richfield, Hill Murray, who number one QRF in, in 3A right now is a really good team. And like, that's a great test to kind of see if you've improved, if, right. if you can execute a game plan against the best. And, and then we have uh, another game the next day against Tartan. And then you kind of come into that final week of the regular season, a section opponent visitation and another good opponent in Matamidi. And we've kind of got this nice map, as you say, of these are teams that of what's left on our schedule. We can see teams that look like this in our section, depending on how things shake down. Here's our opportunity to show that we're ready and to mentally prepare ourselves for for the fight that we're looking for. This year's unique for you in that as the seasons progressed and kind of where you're at right now, your roadmap as far as the postseason and seeding and how the pecking order is going to unfold seems like it's starting to become clear for you. Knowing that there's still some games left that you're that are in front of you that might have some might have some meaning, right? If you're t- talking about St. Croix Lutheran or what a what do you as as a coach just think about when you look at how that shapes and how that looks and if you're projecting best case scenario versus worst case scenario, how much time are you how much time do you spend thinking about that right now? Sure. I actually just talked to our guys um about it. We I, I don't know why it, it hit me this week. I was looking at the basketball hub and I looked at the Metro East standings. And I knew we were 10-0 and 0 in the Metro East. And I knew there were other teams, but nobody else had um, that we would be in first place. Mm-hmm. But I clicked on it and I looked at it. I'm like, man, that is awesome to look at. You know, and, and at the time, I think Matamidi was 7-1 and one and Tartan was 6-1 and one because of some COVID things. Yeah. That they had some games moved. And it just, it felt like such a commanding lead. No, it's not. It can go away if we have a bad two-game stretch. And I sent it to our guys, just a screenshot. And I said, there's so few times in life where you truly control your own destiny. You know, the job interviews, you know, <laughs> you know whatever it is. Yep. Like, we have put ourselves in a position where we don't have to worry about anybody else except for the next game. And we get to live the cliche, right? Because mm-hmm. every team says, you know, let's just worry about us and figure it out. We'll come playoff time. I've sat many years like man okay if if this team loses this game and we can win this game maybe we can jump them for playoff seating for section and for conference if we just continue to do what we do and continue to 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 roll that that we have and maybe we've even built in a one game slip up buffer on on both section and play and and conference i don't know but Mm -hmm. we truly do at this point in this season because of of the success we've had and the the work of our young men control our own destiny which is a pretty awesome awesome thing and um now we get to live it and see how we do with it, which is pretty fun. Yeah, it's well. There's only so many sections, and there, there's only so many conferences in the state. There's somebody in the driver's seat of each one of those, right? And it's there's usually just one of those, and then there are eight, nine other teams that are chasing. not in that position, yes. and they're chasing. Uh, that's where we're at right now, and that's. There's clear. There's a clear top, and then uh, after that, the middle is one of those places that, depending on how the next two weeks go, two and a half weeks go, the variance for those spots is still going to be up for discussion, and we could spend a whole podcast on talking about the <laughs> the psychoanalysis of coaches right. and section seedings and yep. just how big of a a gong show that is in a lot of regards, depending on what section you're in and how you handle it as a as a section Oof. there's stories across the state right. if uh, there would be any like side podcast that we could get somebody to do is just have coaches talk about section stories for right. like eight weeks because there's some doozies out there and yeah. there always is uh there are some things that are outside of your control when it comes to that with you guys it's kind of an exception you don't really have that if you do your jobs right. right and i think that's for for us knowing that we are in that middle of the pack 
there are some things in front of us that we can control and then the chips are going to fall where they will and we just have to be prepared to handle it to the best of our abilities and no matter how that shakes out i still feel like there's a roadmap for us to find success in the postseason but there is a little murkiness the lack of clarity that exists but i think that's also something that you can use to motivate you is say like hey if this is if you're not sure what where we're at or what we're going to be like make it clear to everybody else in these next two and a half weeks like show them where we're at so that when i when i go and i like sit on that you know sit on that stand and like i'm stating our case give me like give us some ammunition to go in there with and say this is why like this is why we need to be where we're at or this is why we feel like we should be where we're standing and then either way it doesn't matter like let's just show people when it comes to march 17th let's just play let's just play right it's a it's a good in the past i've talked to our teams about it and it's something that that over the last two weeks we have talked about okay this is kind of where we're sitting this is where we're at qrf record wise head to head and and i would always kind of use the analogy i said okay guys i have to go play poker with these guys I can only play with the cards you give me. Let's go get get a couple wins. I, I'd like a couple aces to go into those those meetings with, and we'll see how the the chips fall. I, you know, your record is what it is. You try to try to bolster your your ammunition a little bit. It's going to be an exciting time. Uh, the postseason, regardless of whether it's exactly how we'd like it to be after our previous conversation in the podcast, it is one of the special things that exist in a lot of. A lot of memories can be made, and it's just an opportunity after what has been a very long year and a long buildup from when we both walked away last spring to where we are now to kind of, I wouldn't say it's a defining moment, but it's an opportunity to take the things that you guys have banked away, you know, drops in the bucket, all of those things we've discussed before. It's an opportunity to pull all those things into a head and put it all on display in a moment. And when it comes down to it, if it if the game breaks your way or whether it doesn't, it's just an opportunity to get to that point where you can acknowledge the season itself. What are we playing this whole season for? Yeah, these regular season games, each one of them is going to give you moments. It's going to give experiences. It's going to help the, uh, the girls or young men that are in your program grow, especially those underclassmen. But at the end of the day, it's it's exciting to have all of that come to a, a single moment in time where this is what we've been working towards. And now it's an opportunity to see if all the things that we've been banking away, can we cash in on those? Right. A culmination of it all. It is. And I think you kind of hit on it. it, it when you brought up the Holy Angels game from last year, I haven't thought much about the Holy Angels game um, just because our world is so different. As we sit here right now, with the things that I was worried about when we lost to Holy Angels, um, as opposed to right now and everything that's happened, I mean, it's we've lived five years in the past 11 oh. months, at least five years, right? Like just between the social social justice and the awareness of that and um, the the election and how that has affected our country and the international pandemic and the ability to have this opportunity and and to, like you said the playoffs and the culmination and to just to be with the guys and um god what a special time it's pretty cool i can't think of not that i'm it's not like i'm not stating the obvious but i can't think of another time where the world has changed in so many ways in such a dramatic fashion across across arenas of like the health and safety, mm-hmm. social issues, political, economic, and just what all of us have experienced. You, we've lived five years. It feels like it. But it's amazing that through all of that, one constant that we've been blessed to have is is basketball. And it's... I mean, if you want to talk about a coping mechanism right. for, I know for me, I'm sure it's the same for you. Uh, it, it would, this year would have looked a lot different for me personally if we wouldn't have something like basketball to share this with these young young men and women and our coaching staffs and, and our families. Right. We didn't have that to share. 
hope is an amazing thing. And, and to me, that's what basketball was during some of the darkest times. We had hope. And that's what our guys gave me. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Not to get too deep on this, but it just it's it's pretty awesome. And this has been really awesome, Coach. It's just great to be back having a conversation with you. A lot of great basketball ahead. Easily probably one of my favorite episodes. I love it. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Looking forward to catching up with you next week on the In Season Podcast. Take care. Thanks, everybody. Well, that about wraps it up for this week. But if you've enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to subscribe and follow SSP Boys and Girls Basketball programs all season long. And find me and Coach McAllister on Twitter at SSP Coach Junker and at Coach M Mac. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks to everyone that is a part of our SSP Hoops family and community for making our seasons possible. Until next time, this is Coach McAllister and Coach Junker, and we'll catch you next week. Go Packers!